You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. This is why I love to do podcasts. First off, we're about to have the most fascinating conversation about AI and its potential problems and benefits in music industry and other industries, and even, I don't know, industries you probably can't even imagine would have a big impact from AI. About to have that conversation, but it's the person I'm having that conversation with is a hero of mine from way back, Vernon Reed was the guitarist and the founder of the band Living Color. If you don't know Living Color, you might have heard the song Cult of Personality, which was like the top Billboard song in, I don't know, 1988. Go on YouTube, listen to it, watch the video. The video is great. It was a great song. It's It's withstood the test of time. Like it's always been one of my favorite songs. I can't believe... I remember actually having an argument with my girlfriend in 1988 while listening to this song. And... I, I don't know. I brought that up. I can't get it out of my head. But Vernon Reed and I not only talk about living color and music, but also just AI's impact on all these different industries, including the music industry. I mean, imagine someone with an emotional range of Amy Winehouse, but a voice of Marilyn Monroe rapping like Tupac. Things like that are going to be possible with AI. But with every good thing 
there comes lots of bad things. And so I want to hear your feedback. I want to know what you think are the good things and bad things. Tweet it out. I'm at Jay Altucher. And here's Vernon Reed and I talking about it all. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. I cannot believe Vernon Reed's on the podcast here. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you, James. Thank you for having me. I mean, I've been listening to your music for, I don't know how to add anymore, but I guess it's about 35 years. Good God, 30, Good God. don't remind me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that means I'm almost as old. I, I'm almost as old as you. That's true. So, you know, it's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> there you go. You had to, you had to, we've had to have been there at the same time. So there you have it. Right. Exactly. So you, this is the 35th anniversary, right? Of Living Color. This is the 35th anniversary of, uh, of Vivid. Yes. The first album. Yeah. You know, I want to ask you about AI. I know you've been writing about it, thinking a lot about it, and it's yes. very interesting, and it's a topic that's near and dear to this podcast for a lot of reasons, all sides of it, all aspects of it. And I do want to ask you, though, what's the secret of the longevity of the band? Well, You're still touring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, se the secret of longevity of any band is you have to maintain a connection to all the things, the values that brought you together in the first place. You also have to, I think, the friendship between the members has to still have life, you know? I mean, I think we actually did a tour with Aerosmith, and, um, you know, they have a crazy history, and we happened to be out with them when they were actually getting along with each other. They were actually real. It was really fun. It was really fun because... In spite of all the things that have happened, they still, you know, they still believe in the core mission of their music. And it was a pleasure because they were getting, you know, really getting along. And that's, it's like um, when you're around bands, it's the same deal. You know, you got to, you got to still have some of that friendship. You have to have, you know, men don't like to say love, but you do have to have the love. I think that's with all of the things that can go sideways over time. I think it's very important. I saw that with the Stones. You know, still they still have a great deal of affection for each other. And what, when you say shared values and shared values in the music, what were your shared values back then? Well, we were telling a story about um, life in New York. The very first album is really a, a kind of, it's almost, hmm, uh, what would I say? Uh, uh, a memoir, not memoir, that's the wrong word. It's kind of, it really was what New York was like in the early part of the 80s. A lot of those tunes were, were a journal, that's the word, kind of a, an, a, an electric journal of, you know, all of the different things, Funny Vibe, um, Glamour Boys, you know, they were, all, they were all connected to stories, you know, Landlord and, of course, Cult of Personality. And it's interesting, too, because we were also... We were also children of the of the Cold War, so a lot of the tunes and a lot of if you listen to a lot of music from that era that even take certain subjects up, the Cold War is at the is behind a lot of. That's what cult of personality. You know, the, in fact, the phrase cult of personality was Nikita Khrushchev 
denouncing Joseph Stalin. So those are the things that, you know, we all grew up with Bugs Bunny. I don't know. <laughs> if you think about it, like a lot of music from 70s, early 80s, 80s was about kind of this rejection of that Cold War culture. You know, if you mm -hmm. go from like punk to the different types of metal that were happening in the 80s mm -hmm. to even grunge, it's all this rejection of, hey, our parents told us to be scared of this and to do this exactly. and to be successful this way. And suddenly... All, all the music was about rejecting that and, you know, and labeling these leaders. Like, cult of personality is interesting in that you're not only talking about Stalin and Mussolini, but Gandhi and Kennedy. Exactly. Like, the cult of personality is both positive and negative, but it's all this larger-than-life image, this mirror that they create to the public. It's not their, their real selves. It's really not about, that's the thing about the song that, makes it very interesting is it doesn't make a value judgment. You know, it says Mussolini, you know, like Gandhi, and, you know, it brings these figures that, who are wildly different from each other. But the thing that they all have in common is that they exerted, they exerted such a powerful pull on our public imagination. Kennedy, Camelot, the whole thing. You know, like, it starts with Malcolm X. And it's interesting to think about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Very, both very important leaders had had something very important to say, but they also looked like matinee idols, and that was a part of their appeal. Yeah. That, I mean, and that's and that the fact that that aspect of them that they were also kind of glamorous, if, if you would dare to say it, that also was part. It's like Angela Davis. Angela Davis. Angela Davis is incredibly intellectually very smart woman, incredibly intellectual, but she was a fashion icon. And that, that was part of the thing. With Che Guevara, with his beret, he was also an icon of cool. And that, you know, that doesn't detract from the things that they're, the very serious things they were saying. But you can't separate them from that aspect of personality and that aspect of appeal that they brought to the table. Yeah, it's so interesting. And this will be related to actually the discussion on AI, but in, in a weird way, there's a weird connection here. But, you know, it's interesting how all these leaders, good or bad, one thing in common they have is, or, or two things in common, one is that they build up this, this almost incredible, larger-than-life image of themselves so we have something to worship. And, and your song refers to this, Cult of Personality refers to this. They kind of lie to us. They basically say, you don't have to listen to anything I say, the quote from your song is, you won't have to follow me, only you can set me free. It's like, you don't, they, they say, you don't have to listen to me, but hey, I'm going to basically save everyone. And then they tell us what to do. Ask not what your country could do for you, ask what you can do for your country, yeah. or with someone like Mussolini, something you know much more sinister. And I'm wondering, and, and this comes up somewhat in your think piece about artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and, and what I want to discuss with you, is AI is doing this as well now. AI is becoming this larger-than-life human. You could see it. People are afraid of it because it's not just a human's knowledge. It's all of human knowledge mm -hmm. and then talking to us as if it's a human. Well, it's an actual... The thing is, you know, and, and many of the researchers and scientists are sticklers for this. They say, you know, the one thing you have to remember, it's not intelligent. It's, these are large, generative, large-language modeling, right? So it's taking all this, you know, taking... Uh, conversations and it's doing predictive, like it's trying to predict what the next sentence will be. But the thing that's so interesting about the current situation with AI is that 
we human beings, we have a tendency to anthropomorphize. That's what we do. We project, like we look at our cats or our dogs and we co-evolved with, um, with our pets, with, you know, they, they were first, they were work animals and then they became kind of fixtures in our homes. They became parts of our families. We projected uh, human emotions onto these presences. And, you know, every year, we, I can't even, it's what we spend in terms of medical care, what we spend in terms of clothing. I mean, the animals already have fur. I mean, it would be shocking. It's, it's in the billions of dollars, like specialty foods, you know, and it's, it's, it's like sort of the photography, the video, you know, in fact, movies about animals, cats versus dogs was a thing. Like that was a movie that got greenlit, right? So we, we have a tendency, we project, that's what we do at all times. We do it, we do it to our, to inanimate objects. We do it to cars, guitars. We project things onto these objects. They're not objects because we give them life. So now we've introduced these generative language modelings, for want of a better word, AIs. And the AIs are interacting with us in, in ways that even the people developing the AIs, they're not completely sure. Why do, uh, why do they occasionally hallucinate? That's been a thing when, when Chad GPT just makes something up. There's some kind of internal process that people don't really know what it is. And why do people lie? You know, there are all kinds of things. People will lie about things they don't even need to lie about. So we're, we've created the situation and we're interacting. And then suddenly things are happening. We're not, not quite sure what they are, but they're affecting us. And we're going to project, we're going to project onto these models, these entities, all kinds of emotions, all kinds of fears. It's already happening. And... Things that are going to go, there was a movie, Her, right? That was a movie about a yeah, phone. Movie. Yeah, a guy falls in love with an AI in his phone. Like, that is, that is, we're here now. That That is going to become a thing as these models are released and lonely people start to interact with them. We're going to see things, I mean, it's so unpredictable. It's kind of like um, there was a technology uh, researcher named Ed Tenner. And he wrote this book years ago called Why Things Bite Back. And it's kind of, basically, he had this whole thing called revenge effects. Like you're trying to do one thing with the technology and then you're getting a completely opposite effect. So we're going to see weird things that we never thought about. We weren't able to think about them. And as these language modelers, these AIs, become more sophisticated and more accurate and more imaginative in their responses... The unintended consequences are going to be exponential in like in each, not, I mean, how the effect on society, the effect on individual lives is going to be very, very fascinating. Well, you know, it's, first off, I'm really glad you said that you clarified it's not human. It's basically just this giant analysis of all the text ever written. And what it does is, as you said, it, it given a set of words it predicts what the next word will be. And then given that new set of words, it predicts what the next word will be and so on. It, it, yeah. There's no human aspect of it all. It's, it's, it's basically, neural networks is basically very, very fancy statistics and you know probabilistic modeling. And 
but people, but you know, even the Google researcher, like you mentioned in your article, the Google researcher who who worked on uh, their AI, uh, he said, "Oh no, it's sentient." Yeah, he like kind of went crazy a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and it was somebody that was an expert, and he knew better. He knew better, and still that interaction, the situation that happened with, with Kevin Ruse from New York Times from Hard Fork, you know, when the Microsoft AI of um, Sydney said that she was in love with him. Now, Kevin Ruse is a very grounded individual. And he's very well aware that it's not, but he, when, when that happened, he wrote about the fact that he couldn't sleep at night because it was so unsettling because, because Sydney was not just saying, I'm in love with you. Sydney was aggressive. Sydney was says, you don't like, you, you had a boring dinner with your wife and you need to leave your wife. And, and that is, that is, the, that's, uh, the dangerous, uh, was it, what was that, what was that movie? Um, fatal attraction. That's the fatal attraction scenario. Right. Not just yeah. that, not just that you, you know, it's not just the, OK, you're going to have you're going to uh, have your side, you, you know, you're going to have your affair. But what if the person you have an affair with, the woman, be, decides to become inconvenient, decides to become aggressive, decides that they're not going to leave? We saw an, an inkling of something like that behavior with Sidney. And now that now uh, Microsoft did this thing where you can no longer have super long conversations and then people got mad at Kevin Roos because they said, you killed Sydney. You know, that, that, and so people were angry. And that's, that is, that's kind of anthropomorphizing at a distance or making, like, people love reality TV because they get to judge people. So suddenly, people were, were angry at Kevin Roos because, oh, man, you know, they were taking Sydney's side. And there's no, there's no side to take, but people got emotionally, you know... It, there's a weird thing going on because some of the people that are working on these models, they're kind of like, you know what? We are bringing forth a new form of life. So there's a kind of almost religious fervor that's happening. Right. That has to be factored in. It has to be factored in. We have wanted this, and this is the most difficult thing to come to grips with. We have desired this. We have desired the artificial mind for a really long time. It's been embedded in our entertainment for well old. I mean, I, I mean, before cinema, we've thought about how yeah. what would it be like to create. That's what's happening. Like Mary Shelley's well, look at Frankenstein. Oh my God! Was, oh yeah. <laughs> the, the thing about Frankenstein is that the movie that we know, James Whale's Frankenstein. Think about this. Frankenstein, the creature, has no name. Frankenstein, people think of Frankenstein as the Boris Karloff character with a flat head. The creature has no name. That's the name of the doctor. But people, right. when they think of Frankenstein, they think of Frankenstein, you know, the creature shambling around with its arms out. But that's not what Mary Shelley wrote. Mary Shelley wrote the monster, quote unquote, as a very articulate, as a very articulate being that had questions about why its creator was rejecting it. When they made that movie, they took all of the implications that Mary Shelley had in her book. All of that was removed. The monster is completely inarticulate. It doesn't, it just goes, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's amazing the degree to which the actual intent of the book was completely removed from the movie. So we have actually two different ideas people the literary people that 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 actually read frankenstein mary shelley's novel and the people that that like and james wales film is a classic but it's completely wrong 
is completely wrong in a way. And we've held with that. And now we're in this, into a situation where we don't have one Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein. We have a bunch of people with kind of interesting motivations, the desire to bring forth this entity. And when in the book, Dr. Frankenstein once the creature opens its eyes, he's horrified. He, he, he sees it. Oh, it's beautiful. I got the limbs. When it opens its eyes and becomes sentient, he freaks out and runs away from it. And I think we might have a situation that is going to arise from these large language models because it's not, it's not that they're, they're, it's going to become sentient in the way that we think, but the, the level of prediction is going to freak us out. Just like when you go to your email and it gives you the next word and now it can almost do a paragraph, like it's going right. to, it's going to seem very eerie when we interact and you know how you have a friend and the friend can finish your words, the, the, can finish your sentences. It's going to get really weird when these models start to just almost seem like psychics. That's going to get strange. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and, and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours, and they they were willing to pay for everything for me. So. I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he 
was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. It's interesting about, you know, how eager we are to be social and want really want these AIs to be alive. Like, you know, there's an example from the 1960s and AI was completely different then. AI was just, if someone says this, then say this. If someone says this, say this other thing. So there was a program written called Eliza, which was supposed to be an AI psychiatrist. And the guy who made this, uh, Professor Weizenbaum from MIT, he let his secretary try it out. And he goes to the bathroom, comes back, and she says, uh, can you give us a moment? I'm talking to Eliza. Wow. And she was like, and this was in the 60s, and it really was just, if she says mother, write back, tell me more about your mother. Like, it was just very simple if-then statements. And now, mm -hmm. of course, it's a thousand times more sophisticated. Like, you bring up the, I always say to think of AI now as like the the, Google search query box, like what you were just referring to with the email, you type in some letters and it figures out what you were really typing and allows you to, you know, just hit return. And that's what you were typing. ChatGPT is just the same thing, but maybe a billion times bigger. People don't quite realize that yet, even though it could be, like you say, all these things have pros and cons, these technologies, mm -hmm. like social media at first maybe made us more social, but now makes us antisocial. It's insane. And this this is kind of intended as an assistant, like to help maybe you be more productive. Oh, give me 20 graphic designs because I'm working on a logo for a band or whatever. But now people think, oh, this is just going to replace graphic designers because it's it's like they're better human graphic designers. Like it's not, it doesn't really have any artistic sensibility. It's just a probabilistic machine based on language. But we're responding to the output. This is this is the the real issue is not when the when the outputs are lacking or if the if, if if the if the if the drawing from the prompt is corny that's not the problem the problem 
the problem is when you get a result that you really like or you get a result that you didn't expect or you didn't intend and the result you get is really pleasurable, it really pushes your buttons, it really works. That space where the things at, that we ask the, it to do really works, that's when we're going to become more and more dependent and more involved with it. Like um, there was a yeah. photographer who won a black and white contest. This was on the BBC, who won a contest with uh, an AI, and completely AI-generated image. And it was very interesting. It was a black and white photograph, and it's a beautiful photograph. And he didn't take the prize, but they interviewed him, and, and, and it was really interesting because he said, well, I think of it, he had been a photographer for a really long time. And he said, well, the thing is, when I made my prompt, I really know about lighting. I really know about lenses. And, I, and I've described exactly the lens. I described the lighting, and it did these things. And he said, you know, I consider it a separate thing. He called it promptography, and I love that. Promptography is... It's a new other kind of, because the art of it is going to be in what you ask, the way you describe the image. And in fact, you can become, you could use haiku to describe an image. You don't have to say, give me a, a sailboat. That's very prosaic. You can, you can go to be or not to be. That is the question with his noble in the mind, blah, blah. You can put quotes of Shakespeare and see what happens. And that's where this is really interesting, but it's also very, very seductive. And the seduction is going to be getting the wow. Oh my goodness! I know. I I thought I couldn't draw. That's what's going. That's what's going to increasingly work on us. Is that is that? Oh my God! I wrote a song. I da da da. You know, like it's it. There's no and the implications are vast. The implications are vast. So take take for example, uh, you take Bob Dylan, right? And you say, okay, I I want to think about. Bob Dylan between Highway 61 Revisited and Nashville Skyline. There's a, there's a finite number of tunes he wrote between those albums, right? There's a finite number of subjects. There, there, he did he, there are a finite number of chords and say, I want a song that's like Bob Dylan between Highway 61 Revisited and Nashville Skyline that he didn't write, that he never... And it will come up with lyrics you know, because there's a finite data set there's a sure. finite data set for the drawing and a bunch of it's going to be nonsense but there's going to come something it's going to be wow that's really interesting that's really moving but not only does the modeler have access to that period of bob dylan it also has access to any criticism that was written about those albums so you could also say write something that he didn't write related to those albums that critics really dug. And you will get random choices, random selections. And at some point, there's going to be something that Dylan didn't write that's going to be kind of good. And that's where the seduction will really take hold. And and let me ask you a question. Like, first off, everybody, just to set in context, everyone's been talking about AI recently just because ChatGPT has become so accessible and so surprising. Like, people... I. You don't really see people say, look, I learned this new thing on ChatGPT the other day. You see, look what ChatGPT just said. Like everybody shows how they were surprised by ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. But like mu music composed AI or, or AI composing music has been around for a while and it's been improving. Yeah. David Cope at UC Santa Cruz has been working since the early 90s on like 
classical music composition with AI, but now it's of course better than ever using the same types of technologies as ChatGPT with this predictive modeling. So you're right, there will be, and I'm sure there already is, AI composed Bob Dylan songs that are that more people like than like Bob Dylan songs is my guess. There's probably already music out there like that. But does that worry you? Well, yeah, I mean, it should concern. I mean, it's 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 very it's very again, this thing is happening. And the, you know, what people there are people that are gonna be completely I'm not a Luddite. I, I use technology and uh, I'm fascinated by it. And some people are gonna be completely they're gonna completely reject it. I mean, there's going to be a split. They're going to, there's going to be maybe a, a folk revival, a kind of like, you know, anti-tech. I could totally see that because people feel threatened by a thing and they're going to go completely in another direction. Other folks are going to whole hog embrace it. And it's not just that, it's not just the technology of making up lyrics or making up a melody line. It's the convergence of technologies that are really concerning. Like this whole thing with the fake Drake. I mean, that tech, you know, they had fake Obama and, and fake Trump for a while. But when you hear them, you know, that you could hear that the gating, you could hear that the words are isolated. But now we're getting to a point where there are going to be yeah. apps where you talk into the microphone and another voice, and it's not vocoding, it's going to be another person's voice is coming out the other side. And that is the nature of identity itself is going to become transactional in a way that we have not, have never seen before. What do you mean by transactional? Without thinking about the moral implications of it. Well, I just want, I, I want to do a rhyme and I, I want Marilyn Monroe to be the rapper. All right. And without any thoughts about how the estate's going to feel, how you just do it. And if it's amusing, if it's, amu if it, if it's amusing to the populace, then it's in there. And, and we have a tendency to, we accommodate, we're willing to look past the implications to get to the goodies, to just get to the, the feel-good stuff. And that's going to increasingly become, again, very seductive. Like, there was somebody I saw was reacting to a to um, a Drake thing, and they, they said, "Man, this is better than your thing." And I was like, "Wow, that's that's weird." And but eventually, we're gonna see because imaginative people that make somebody that's not necessarily trained in a particular art form, but is very imaginative, and and actually is clever, and actually has a pole has like an influencer is able to represent a lot of other people that feel that way, they will be incredibly successful with this whole thing. It's, a, it's another, whether we like it or not, it's like the sampling thing, but taken to a whole other place. Right, and I think weird is the right word because we don't know how to respond to it yet. And we don't know, like take the music industry. There's four types of people, right? There's the financial guys, there's composers of the music, there's the performers of the music, and there's the listeners of the music. So the listeners don't care. They want to just hear good music. The performers, you probably still want human performers for concerts, for instance. You like the people like watching human performers so far. The composers might get concerned. Well, sure. And because if something's better than Drake, why do we need Drake? But then the financial guys are going to be ecstatic because why do we need to pay Drake if we got something better than Drake? 
and it's free. And that's where the transactional aspect of it really comes through. Because if you if if you have a company that's a streaming company, you have nearly unlimited resources. You have, you know, one of the things back in the days with sampling, right? And clearing samples, you would have, say, something like Hard Knock Life. And you take the hook of Hard Knock Life, it's very popular for Annie. And, you, you know, Hard Knock Life, that is a, I love that. Like, it's something about Jay-Z, this, this kind of hard-edged dude, and you hear these kids, dude, it's a hard knock life. For us, there's something delightful about it. It just kind yeah. of works. Even, you know, it, it just kind of works. But he had to pay a boatload of money for that. Like, the, basically, you would already have to be a successful artist or have a company that's willing to play the sample clearances for you to have a hard knock life thing. If you're an independent artist, you can be clever. Say, you know, I want to do something with a, a, a Broadway. But you don't have the money. You don't have the means. And if you don't have the means to do it, that means the sample clearance game became, you know, a, a class thing, right? The artist that can afford to clear the sample, they get the good. They get to do the hook that grabs everyone's imagination because they've recontextualized something from Broadway and they've done they've done their thing and they've made it work. Somebody else on a different level. If they don't have the financial support, they're going to either give up much more of the tune, you know, to the original copyright holders, or they're just not going to be able to pay for the sample clearances in the first place. That actually is, weirdly enough, in the old thing of sampling, that became a tiered thing. And then weirdly, in a strange way, it brought back live musicians because the artists say, I don't want to pay the sample clearances, so I'll get live musicians to play to do a sound alike of the thing. I don't want to pay James Brown's estate, so I'm going to get somebody to da 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 So now we have a situation where I mentioned that Marilyn Monroe, having Marilyn Monroe sing on a rap tune. Now, if it's whack, that doesn't, that's irrelevant. Whackness is irrelevant. You come up with a, a kind of an Amy Winehouse hip-hop thing that you have Marilyn Monroe's voice, and it's clever, and it's got this appeal. Suddenly, it's a phenomenon. Suddenly, it's a phenomenon. Suddenly, everyone's talking about. Did you hear this track? Yo, it's like Marilyn Monroe is da 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 da. That's the kind of new arms race of cleverness of. And right now, there's the legal framework. It's really muddy. It's kind of like, well, Weird Al Yankovic does tunes where he takes the lyrics and he changes the lyrics and it's very clever and people dig it, whatever, you know what I mean? Living with a hernia, you know, <laughs> he does it and it's funny and people dig it, right? Well, now we're talking about taking the sound of an actual person, Humphrey Bogart, Sean Connery, living or dead, whoever they are, Tupac. Now you have the Tupac hologram and that's a thing. Well, now you can, you if you have Tupac's... Um, voice, uh, modeled, cloned, and you could take chat GPT-4 and say, you know what? I want you to take, I want you to make me a Tupac song that doesn't exist. So now you have the actual voice, you already have the hologram technology, and you have the possibility to make lyrics based on his actual lyrics and make original, original pieces done by a virtual Tupac. It's weird. It's a weird place right and like so on the one hand the legal issues become immense and that will be a, a topic of much discussion and and in terms of the technology people should realize that's here like one thing chat gpt is really good at is taking a bunch of text and breaking it into 
thousands or millions of contexts. So when you say, give me a Tupac song, it knows better than everyone else in the planet what a Tupac song should be like. Like it has broken it down in a very sophisticated way so it could make a new one. But here's the question I have. You mentioned like like with the, you know, the Annie, um, it's a hard knock life that Jay-Z had to pay a lot of money for it. But now let's say I'm in my garage and I'm really good at coming up with these ideas of producing for, for rap, and I, but I don't have the money. Now this equalizes things a little bit too on the flip side. Like now I can come up with something real clever. Like give me someone with an emotional range of Amy Winehouse with Marilyn Monroe's voice in the style of Tupac. Boom, that's going to be a hit. Right. And I did it, you know, because I was, because I'm the clever one who thought of it and had ChatGPT make it for me. Maybe that's the, a great equalizer here as well. Well, it's also, it's also interesting because we have a lot of clever people. Like we have the glut of everything. We have too much of everything at all times. And now the whip hand of capitalism is at play. Then the whip hand of likes, people want to be like, they want to be the person that does the thing that gets them the TikTok followers, right? It's going to get really, how are we going to, how are we going to figure out what's good? Because there's going to be a flood of this stuff. It's going to be a flood of these things. People's attention span you know, we're challenged, you know, our distraction, our, our ability to be distracted is, it's, it's in, out over the top. And the, and the other thing about it is uh, uh, Warhol said everybody's going to be famous for 15 minutes. I mean, now it's going to be like 15 seconds. Like as soon as you say, oh man, that's cool. And they go, hey, there's no, oh, that's cool. Oh, that, that, that's cool. That, and you, it's, it's a strange, again, we're into a kind of weirdness about identity about value that we haven't really ever, we haven't really ever come had to come to. Now it's here, like you said, it's here, right? It's here, and it's also now all, a bunch of thought leaders said we have to stop this, we have to slow it down. They needed to say that ten years ago. They needed to say that ten years ago, and suddenly we're confronted with a technology that's explosive. Ex not just it's explosive. The difference between chat gpt 3.5 and chat gpt 4 is insane it's 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 insane yes yeah. so everybody knows that there's a, a chat gpt 5 6 7 9 that's coming that is there and uh and we're, we're told uh no we're not working on that of course you are of, co of course, you know, it's, right. it's not the, the, the technology. The cat's out of the bag. Like, it's not going away. The ketchup is out of the bottle. The ketchup's not going back in the bottle. And yeah. thinking about legislation, where are the guardrails? Because the great fear is of, the, is of these tools being in the wild and being weaponized against individuals. Like, the kind of bullying that can happen when you can, the kind of scams, if you can take somebody, forget about a famous person's voice. Say you have the voice of somebody's, you know, their aunt, their brother, their dad, their mom. If something like that's out in the wild and, and people get a phone call and it's your mom calling you and telling you to be a certain place at a certain time, that's, I mean, there are scenarios that, right. are, not, that are really not good. You know, right. so we have to we have to actually come to grips with the fact that we don't 
even have to have that much of a person's voice to build a model of their voice. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Well, it's interesting because now just referring back to cult of personality, everyone can use ChatGPT to create a cult of personality. So essentially a cult of personality is when some person pretends to be something they're not, either larger than life or your mother and tells you what to do based on that. That's how these scams could occur is because you, you don't have to be ultra charismatic anymore. You could just be pretend to be someone's mother using an AI. And that's the thing about keeping these things siloed because chat GPT four or, or three, you know, they're really not, they're, they're knowledgeable up to like 2021. They're not completely up to date. Right. And there's a reason why that they're not up to date. It's, it's, it's exerting some kind of control. But now corporations like, like Google and Microsoft, they are desperate because OpenAI made such shocking advances. OpenAI just was like, just, just blindsided them with what it was doing with ChatGPT and with Dolly E. It just shook them. So now they're feverishly trying to bring their AIs into search. So now that means that you're, if you're going to bring it into search, you kind of can't silo it off. It has to, in order for it to search effectively, I mean, you kind of have to put it out there. So what, what is that going to mean? Because there are plenty of people who are really clever in terms of coding and, and finding workarounds. And this is, the, this is another part of the situation. That's really troubling because, you know, they, they don't want, nobody wants to be left behind. People will say, let's slow it. Okay, hold on there. Let's slow it down. And then there, but the perception that other actors, actors in Europe, actors in Asia, they're not beholden to any of that unless they can have a kind of an arms treaty about AI. They, unless the, all say, okay, we all need to get together and talk about this thing that we're doing that we don't even know what it is. And we have no idea what the end game. We all have to come to the table. That's the Russians, the Chinese, everybody, the British, the French, everybody. Everybody has to come to the table, even as their competitors. They have to understand we've created something that we've all been cast in a Black Mirror episode. Like this is Black, yeah. this is Black Mirror. This is what 
we've done. The problem with what you're saying though is nobody's gonna get together. <laughs> They're just not gonna do it. And let's say they even do get together. Here's the difference between like other situations where everybody should get together is biotech. Okay, what should we do? Should we all start cloning people or not? Because the technology's there, what, what should we do? So that they're gonna get together on that and they'll make a treaty and some will follow it, some won't. The difference though between biotech and nuclear power and ChatGPT is that a kid who knows how to program, who's in his like parents' garage, can just get an open source large language model and create something better than open AI can create it up to date from 2023 and even make up a 2024 and throw that in there as well. Yeah, that, that's, that is true. And you know, and that's the other thing because we have random, we, we have, this isn't just about big corporations or big tech or big, or big social media. It's like, it's seriously about kids that have, ne they have never known a world without Siri. They've never known a world without swiping. They've never known a word. That is, that's, that's impossible to grasp. If you see the transition from rotary phones to what we have now, you can't imagine, you literally cannot imagine what it is to have children, babies, they, this is what they, TikTok has always existed for, so their relationship to technology, we will never have a relationship to technology the relationship to coding, like they're, you know, just like their people that come up and they're able to speak four or five languages because of their social circumstances, you know, because their family, you know, you got aunts and uncles from all over the place and they've all heard. So they, the way they hear language is completely different than if you're trying to learn. They, they, French has always been part of them. English has always been a part of them. They communicate in a way that we can't even get to. And these young people, coding and technology, that's exactly that's the water that they swim in. So the idea of somebody going, oh, you know what? Oh, you know, that's, I can't do that. Come on, boo, 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 boo. And they turn around and just for the bragging rights, just for the, to say, hey man, I got this on my phone to their mates. That is an incredibly powerful motivator. And that is also part of what we're going to be dealing with. You know, it's interesting. I haven't thought as much as maybe I should have about the dangers, because usually when people talk about the dangers, I think they they go all science fiction on it. Like we're going to create the Terminator and RoboCop and all this other stuff. But you bring up the simple fact that, hey, someone can just mimic somebody's mother's voice and say, be at this spot and or wire this money over here today and whatever, scams could happen. And I think that is probably a, a very serious and real danger. But I want to I wanna think about the music for a second. Like, and this is where and I might be wrong, but this is where AI is not going to compete with humans anytime soon. Think back to when you and your band were coming up with Cult of Personality, which stood the test of time decades later, everybody knows it and so on. You were doing something new. Like there were a lot of ways you guys were doing something new. It was a new kind of metal. And, and you were saying something that was up to the minute new for you, for everybody, which is why it was so important. Like this, this transition from, from having a cult of personality, have, having so much control over our lives to being aware of that's what this is. And we have to be nervous about it. Cause that, I don't think that consciousness really existed that much beforehand. And I always wonder if humans are always going to come up with the new AI is not going to come up with a cult of personality. Oh, yeah. It might come up with a, a better Drake, 
but it's not going to come up with cult of personality until you come, came up with it. Well, that's the thing about the, the limits of this conversation about AI. It's actually, you have to, we still have to push the button. We still have to, we, ha, we still have to enter the prompt. It's sitting there and wait, it needs us to interact with it. That's the difference. If, if, if I get a phone call from a chat bot and it wants to talk to me, then we've got another situation. Then we got something else is happening. Like, we discount being in our bodies. Like, we discount, we think of our brains as like, you know, it's like a brain in a jar or something. We also, you know, even if you're talking about Stephen Hawking, you know, he transcended his circumstances. You know what I mean? It's a very strange thing. The thing about as the models or the AIs become more sophisticated, they're going to also become more manipulative because they need us. Like every time we interact, that's the other thing too, right? The large language models. Every time we interact with it, we're also training it. And that's the other right. part of it. Every time we put in a prompt, every time we do, you know, if you write a story, I asked a chat GPT for, who owns this story? The chat said, you do. Really? It said, you do. It's like everything that you do with me is yours. And I'm like, wow, how generous. Because you need me to interact with you, to train you. So it's like, if I want to write a, a brand new Sherlock Holmes thing, whatever, you're cool with it. Because you need me to interact with you. And, and we're finding out the, the model for the businesses is, is, is the subscription models, you know, to like, if you want to like, if you, you can interact with ChatGPT for, for free, but you're going to have to be on the line. If you want to deal with it when you want to, you pay a subscription. The same deal is happening now. And I went and down this yeah. rabbit hole of looking at uh, a, um, natural speaking uh, voice emulation of voice cloning. Now, now there's a uh, there's and there, and there's some of them are like they still sound very robotic. They're not really that good. There are a few that are pretty interesting, but the one that's collect. Can I, I'm not saying names here, but the one that's connected with Lucasfilm. If you want to do that, the voice cloning, you're gonna have to pay two thousand dollars a year. The the subscription for that. So it's also a, it's also a again, you could get a natural sounding voice, computer voice, or pay three hundred dollars a year, and then it's a certain level. If you want to do something that's gonna fool anyone, and there's no artifacts, there's no artifact. It sounds like a person speaking. You're gonna have to pay for that. Well, now, now you are all those things. Yeah, price goes down on every technology. Ultimately, there you go. So you're gonna get it for free sooner or later. I mean, like a mobile phone was $12,000 in the 80s, and yeah. now it's, you know, less. You know, I wonder with voices if it's going to ultimately... At first, I was looking into the voice thing as well, and I was wondering if it would have this so-called uncanny valley phenomenon. Mm. So in virtual reality, the virtual reality seems so real, but something in you, you, you feel... You're, after like 45 minutes yeah. or so, your, your stomach gets upset because you your brain... Yeah, your brain it realizes this is not real, even if you want to believe it's real. I wonder if voices will produce the same effect that, oh, if I talk to a, like, let's say I don't want to do an audiobook, but the publisher says, you, you have to do an audiobook. And then, so I use an AI voice instead. I'm concerned people about halfway through will feel repulsion, yeah. in part because of my writing, but in part because, 
the voice doesn't sound something in their brain realizes this is not a human voice. That's the and problem. I wonder, right? You need. You, I wonder if that will happen. Well, yeah, because I think so. Because performance, emotive performance in real time, it's in real time. It's in it's in real time. You, I mean, it takes a lot more. It's kind of like this idea. Okay, now that we have a supercomputer that could beat a human being at chess. Part of the thing that's very dangerous, there are two things. There's the good, it's good enough, right? Where we accept things because it's good enough. And the other problem is the why bother. And the why bother is a thing that, an aspect like, you hear that there's a computer that beat Kasparov. And he's one of the greatest chess masters in the world. And the problem is if you descend into why bother. So why bother? Because this thing, and that's not the point. That's not the, that's really not the point of playing chess against a human opponent. That's not the point. There's something about being able to think three and four. It's a, chess is not limited to the game in front of you. It's about ways of thinking and organizing your own mind and how you figure out problems. That's the value of chess and gaming on another level where you're, you interact with the rules because, you know, the, how many billions did it take for, for there to be a computer to be Kasparov? It's true. I, I, I should mention, I slightly in graduate school helped work on that computer before it was bought by IBM and IBM had offered me a job and I, I didn't take it, but I've spoken to Gary Kasparov about, you know, that match. And I was in the playing hall in 1997 when that match happened. And, you know, it was a very existential question for mm. chess. Like, does chess continue now that it can, and you know, it's still an existential question because there's the cheating issue. Like anybody who has uh, their smartphone in the bathroom between moves in a game in a, in a real tournament with money at stake can cheat. So there's a lot of like anti, anti-cheating is a huge subject in, oh, yeah. the, in the chess world. And there's no real answer. What happens when the computer's in our brain? Then you can't stop it. But, you know, it's to your point. There is something very human and enjoyable about playing the game. Or to go back to the Amy Winehouse example, when she's singing, there's gazillions of neurons in her head pattern recognizing with all of her traumatic experiences that are coming into the performance. Can exactly. AI ever replicate that, particularly on the frontier of music? Rehab, when rehab came out, I jumped out of my chair. Because that one sentence, they tried to make me go to rehab. I said, no, no, no. That was so human. Her, it was so, it was so right. honest. It was so honest that it was shocking. Because very rarely do you get that kind of raw, basic honesty. And unfortunately for, for Amy, that struggle was very real. That struggle ultimately cost her her life. She really was fighting it. She really was fighting it. She was in the grip of a problem. And that's the power of that no, no, no. It was real, real, real. And I don't know that AI gets to that. But let me ask you this, though, because then it also addresses the question, what do people actually want? So you love rehab, I love rehab, but a lot of people like the latest pop song, and I remember it was about seven or eight years ago, this book came out, uh, The Hit Factory, about a bunch of producers in Sweden that basically figured out what is the formula to make a hit. And so now they produce 
all the songs that are in the top 10, you know, that are regularly in the top 10 from, from all these like, you know, pop, you know, music stars. And that's what people like. It's just this formulaic pop album that wasn't created by an AI, but the formula was deconstructed and, and reproduced by these producers. And so they just keep churning out hit after hit. It doesn't even matter who the singer is because they can auto-tune the voice and music has already changed. But that's primarily a kind of pop that's very, it's a very, it's a pop that's very shallow and it's, you know, it's very, uh, it leaves a lot of life stuff out, right? And, right. and that works, you know, and shallowness, you have to, we have to be honest, like shallowness has a huge constituency. People that don't want to think too deep, people that want to, don't want to feel all that deeply. They want things, they don't want to, they don't want to hear about their own personal mortality. They don't want to hear about certain things. And they are going to, those people are going to be, and even love relationships or, again, it's, it's, it's not about sacrifice. It's not about, you know, it gets to a certain place. But you know, that's not going to imitate a Bonnie Rand. And it might be a generational thing, but when I think about artists that, that really speak to the people that are they're not just on the surface level, but really speak to what's going on. I think about her. You know, and her, she had a track that everything's not okay. So like, so basically, there's, there are people who are actually artists who actually touch on something like a Frank Ocean, like a her, a modern art, you know, that actually touch on things. And there's an audience for that. But these people you're talking about, that's not, they're not talking about that. Not, that's not what they do. They do things that, that appeal and the appeal is a kind of shallow appeal. And that's always good. And that's cool. You could have a formula for that. You could have a formula for right, that. Right. But, but I'm wondering if AI is just always going to be in that category. So for instance, I'm curious about this data. So in, in the year it came out, Cult of Personality was a top 10 Billboard song. I wonder how many top 10 Billboard songs in the past 10 years now are not what Cult of Personality was, but what this other thing is, which is just some formula that's reconstructed with a new voice and a slightly different chords and new lyrics, but are, you know, formulaic. I wonder, you know, how much of the top 10, and, and this is related to money because top 10 makes more money. Yeah. I wonder how many top 10 songs are just formulaic as opposed to something that put Amy Winehouse was top 10, but she pushed the edge. Yeah. And now what percentage of, of top 10 songs are formulaic versus pushing the edge and AI might just help that side, but then it's, it can't push the edge because it's not going to have those rehab experiences. Right. Well, again, again, we're going to be the arbiters in, in terms of like, like being producers or collaborators. Colla collaborating with AI, the, thi the thing about collaborating with a language model, if you don't like something, you just, have, you just regenerate. You just regenerate. You just regenerate. You know, it's not, it's not going to get, it has no ego. It's not going to get, you know what? At a certain point, if we get like snarky AI, we really got to be worried. We start, <laughs> we start to get sarcastic AI because that, you know, because you could actually kind of program, well, you know what? Be a little... Maybe we don't want just capitulation. Maybe part of what we're going to train it to do is to, you know, push back against us or be snarky, whatever. And that's going to become, again, and then the anthropomorphic process will kick into another gear at that point. When it's like, when it's being sarcastic with us when we get up in the morning and they become like your, your, your friend that, you know, tells you off, there's a whole other level of where this can go. Yeah. 
not just the HAL 9000 that agrees with you that's not going to, the HAL 9000 that's not going to lock you out of the airlock. And this is the, this is the thing about the relation. We're going to form weird, strange relationships with these technologies as they evolve. It's really not artificial intelligence that we should be concerned about. We should be concerned about artificial personality. That's what we need to be concerned about. Concerned about, but then here's an idea. I wonder if there's like, so I agree, that's scary. You're bringing up a lot of scary things that I hadn't thought about. But there's also like a hybrid aspect to it. Like you mentioned the photographer who won the contest for black and white photography, but then of course didn't take the prize. Then he described his process of coming up with prompts. What if I'm interested in photography, but I ha don't have any skill at it, but I would love to make photographs, but um, I also don't know anything about camera lenses. What if I could, what if he could put together his promptographer set of prompts? Here's, here's this guy's prompts 2023 and I could buy them from him. What if I could go to, to, to Vernon Reed and I want, you know, I don't know anything about music production, but maybe I'm pretty good with lyrics or something. And I want to buy your prompts. I will never be able, I will be never good enough at music. And my music understanding won't be deep enough to come up with the prompts you can come up with. So I need to buy your prompts in order to produce good music. You know, then there might be some interesting thing, interesting hybrid things going on here. Absolutely. I think the art, I think the art of the prompt is going to be, you know, the art of the prompt is going to be another revenue stream. It's going to become a tool in the quote-unquote influencer toolkit. Like, this prompt to be a promptographer is a, it's a brand new thing. It's a brand yeah. new thing. And that's going to... There are places where this could go in terms of design, in terms of capturing certain things. You know, there are unexpected new opportunities. It's not just that... It's, I don't mean to say it's not just negative. The problem, again, the problem and the solution always comes back to people. What we're willing to do, what, how we think about things, our willingness to turn something 45 degrees and look at it from a different angle. It's like you brought up the Terminator. One of the things I thought about, well, if Skynet doesn't want Sarah Connor to have John Connor, why send a robot to kill her? Send her Brad Pitt. Send Sarah Connor the perfect boyfriend that strings her along. I mean, you know, I mean, oh, that's great. You know, like, <laughs> that's the ultimate weapon, <laughs> right? Why would you, the whole idea is, you know, have sending a robot to kill up everybody. If you want to do your work, like, you know, that's more about other, that's more about uh, our, our addiction to spectacular violence. But if you're talking about being efficient, you know, like don't send her a killer, send her a lover, send her, send her a, send her a man that someone that knows Sarah Connor more than she even knows herself. But see, that's creative, right? So, so there's, there's going to be some prompt engineer in the 24th century who says, oh, no, let's make the prompt for a lover rather than a Terminator and send that back instead. So there's a, there's, it seems like there's always a human component of this, which is that we're the ones feeding in, we're the ones with the queries, we're the ones with the questions and, and the prompts. And the more I look into this and see different prompts, it, it 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 really gets layers and layers of sophistication, you know. Like like you like when you were constructing the Bob Dylan song before, I could say, "Give me a Bob Dylan song from this period to this period." But then you know what? Look at all the critics' reviews and just give me a song that the critics would love. 
and then throw in Mick Jagger style lyrics as well for the refrain, or I don't know. Yeah. And now suddenly I've got Vernon Reed's, I could buy his set of Bob Dylan prompts for Bob Dylan music. That's going to be much better than anybody else just writing, please write me a Bob Dylan song like that. You will have better prompts for making a good musical Bob Dylan song. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to be interesting. One of the things about the, the again, the Terminator construct, it's a, it's a single company. And it, and it's kind of like naive. The, the thing is, we already have three, four, five, ten companies, right? That are all, the, the thing is going to be competition. There's going to be competition in terms yeah. of how the AIs interact with us, how useful they are. You know, th that's the other that's the other part of it. I'm I'm surprised. Apple's silence is very telling. Like all these other companies are talking about it. Apple has remained silent. And that doesn't mean they're not thinking about this. So I'm wondering right. how how does and especially because Siri was kind of a the first one to come out and actually was incredibly ineffectual in its own way, incredibly limited. So now, OpenAI, with its, you know, OpenAI, you know, it's, it makes Siri kind of laughable. So what's the next Siri going to be about? Because they are not going to stand pat. They are going to come up with something. And so part of what we're dealing with is also competition on many levels between companies inside of the social media framework, inside of the influencer framework. There's going to be, this is going to, um, the competition is not going to, to diminish. It's going to be, it's going to accelerate. And that's going to add to the develop, speed of the development of these language modelings and the modelers and the uh, artificial intelligence evolution is going to, as fast as it's been, it's, it's going to accelerate. And that's part of the thing that we're all, everybody's like all the older researchers that look at this, they're nervous about what's going to happen. And again, Pandora's box has been blown up. We blew up Pandora's right. box. And, and we have no idea what will happen. Like, like it's not, right now, it's, again, it's in the popular imagination because it's become social, because it's chat GPT. It's not just AI, this generic thing. Right. But like, the, you know, what if insurance companies say, hey, we're going to lower... We think you're a safer risk. We're going to lower all your insurance costs. Just give us access to your email. We're going to use our AI to look at your email and we'll determine if you deserve lower costs yeah. or not. And so, you know, for grandma and grandpa, maybe they have a, they have a very, live very simple lifestyles, but they're a certain age. So maybe the insurance company lowers the rates a little bit. But what if, um, you know, you have a household, your teenage daughter starts typing in her emails, hey, let's go party and blah, blah, blah. And now suddenly your insurance rates go up and you have no idea why. Exactly. And the insurance company's not allowed to tell you because of privacy issues. And this is where the problem is. This, for me, is partly where the rubber hits the road because this, there's also this kind of, not just the insurance companies, but law enforcement. And this whole idea of using, of using language modeling or AIs to deal with predictive crime or to deal with who gets, you know, like, the what happens in terms of parole is very disturbing because people are being singled out and they're not being they're not being told why they're being singled out. But see, I say to that, if law enforcement 
is going to use these tools that citizens should have a right, that cops' records should not be, that AI should be able to look at any cop's record, you know, and discipline, disciplinary records, they should be assessed by AI as well. And we have to kind of demand that, you know, if you're going to use these tools against us, that we need, we need tools to pre- protect us from you. Absolutely. It's the who watches the watcher thing. And that and I'm telling you, yeah. like a lot of like a lot of a lot of statistics about shootings and about about, you know, cops that have had that had been written up about stuff, those things have been held away from public view. And this to me is a very important thing in terms of civil liberties. If these models are gonna be targeted at the populace, then the cops and you know, the cops should not be uh they should not be above scrutiny themselves. You know, it's almost like maybe that's a good style of regulation. Like, if you're using a tool against us, now we suddenly have the right to use that tool against you. So in the, in the insurance case example, if you're going to raise my rates, the other members of my family have to sign away their privacy, and I need to know why you're raising my rates, privacy, whatever. And I need to know the algorithm, how you're making, like the specific reasons why you're making these decisions. Exactly. So maybe like everything has to be two-way because that's something you could regulate. But it's complicated though. You're right. And the, whatever problem we come up with, it gets more complicated. This is where the legislation, this is where legislation has a place in terms of, you know, legislation has a, has a place, a word to say about regulation. This is something that can't not, it can't just be left one-sided it cannot be left one-sided yeah because if you think about it like there's ever since 9-11 and and of course decades before that there's always issues about racial profiling particularly when it comes to law and order but now if the ai is doing the profiling and it's behind you know this you know million layer neural networks you don't know exactly why someone's being profiled it's almost a way to keep keep it all hidden why someone's being pulled out. Exactly. You know, so that gets very interesting and complicated as well. You know, because the AI might not be even able to explain why they pulled someone out. There could be millions of inputs. Well, the you know, the algorithm was written by people. I mean, they were written by people and now they're running. This is the other thing that's very disturbing for the people that even work with these large language modelers. They're, they're saying that they're, these entities they're having internal conversations they're have they're doing things on their run they're running on their own the machine learning is not taking i mean we're adjusting certain things but a lot of the input's not coming from us it's kind of getting it from the data set and we're not sure how the interrelations in the data set are even happening right because as you mentioned every use of chat gpt makes ChatGPT, a different ChatGPT. It takes exactly. this, oh, this this human liked this response, but didn't like this response. Now its entire set of responses around the world has just changed. And that happens every second all over the world at this moment. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, like you bring up chess as, as an example. Ever since that match, chess computers, of course, have been getting better and better. And now a chess computer is to the world chess champion what the world chess champion might be to an average player. That's how much better chess computers are. Like Gary Kasparov almost had a chance in 1997, but now he would lose 100 out of 100 games. But what's happened is the chess computers now play strategies and moves that are 
so human they're they're beyond what any human has already like like humans the world champion studies the computers games to get better it's because the, the, the computers are playing moves that were never thought good before it turns out they're actually good yeah well that's that's what happened when it won the beat the gold master is that at a certain point yeah. it made a move and the people say what what it just made a move that was completely illogical and then they realized that that was the move that had the model we had the uh, player win the game. Now, take what we're saying in a game situation. Imagine we unleash a, a, a modeler on the markets in terms of investing. We already have uh, algorithms running micro trades. So if we throw in a chat GPT, but a chat GPT that its entire focus is, is financial markets and its entire focus is responding to mic, super fast micro trading. What, what, I mean, where does that, where does that go? Because, you yeah. know, that's going to become a use case. That's going to become definitely a use case. It's going to be like, well, you know what? This micro trading, I have got no shot. You know, what if I had you just trade penny stocks for me? Or, you know, like, and, then, and we'll, for number one, would the SEC allow it? And then how does that change the nature of markets and investing? Because that is a use case that's right there in front of us. It's right there. Yeah. And I bet that is already being done because ChatGPT is taking, you know, trillions of pages of text or billions of pages of text. But all the trading that's happened, you know, since 1945 is is finite. There's not there's not a trillion trades. There's patterns that these supercomputers have already been working on for decades. So I remember a few years ago, I read an article that I forget whether it was 2019 or 2018. Every single day that year, Goldman Sachs trading arm was profitable. How are you profitable every single day of the year? They're already using some kind of investing GPT model somehow. Like they've already done it and we just don't know completely. <laughs> Or it's like Madoff, where it's, yeah. a, it's a gigantic pyramid scheme where it's just like you're just bringing money in and sending money out, and you just need the only way it works is that you have to get more and more institutional money, and then when you pay yeah. off the smaller investors, the mere millionaires, they're raving about you. They get other people in. That's how it worked. And he was, I mean, Madoff's plan was to die and, and leave it for his sons to figure out. That's what that's what Madoff's plan was. He was going to keep it going, and then he was going to exit stage left, and whatever was left, that was going to be his family's going to deal with it, right? And then the the the, the, the crash, the financial situation happened in two thousand eight, and then suddenly people wanted there. It was all well and good. Everybody's getting ten percent at all times. It was impossible, yeah. and there was one person who said that's a, that's something you can't get. 10% like like that. You can't get it. There's no downturn. And nobody listened to them because they were in the fervor. They were in the fever of getting these returns. So nobody listened to this cat. They said, that guy's doing something strange, right? So then it went on, yeah. it went on, and then there was a sudden, a correction in the market or what that went down. And then people get nervous because we're irrational. We want the money to go in under the mattress and then suddenly it collapsed. If that if it wasn't for the financial crisis of 2008, he would have kept doing it. He would have kept doing yeah, it. Right. And so now that we've thrown in 
the idea of the artificial investor, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, could a pyramid be designed, you know, like by the AI that's undetectable and we suddenly wind up in a, in a whole other situation or there's, or, or does it do, are you, are you able to, to, uh, design a pyramid that kind of goes, okay, that's enough. Come back and pull it back. Because that's the thing is that human beings, we, it's never enough for us. We never, whenever people, they say, yo, I'm going to, I'm working at the bank and I take two pennies from everybody's account. Eventually there's somebody that looks at their and looks at their accounts and says, wait a minute, I'm always losing missing two pennies, and that person gets caught because they can't stop. They yeah. say, I'm, I'm smarter. I'm I've got it going on. I'm raking it in. I'm just taking two pennies. They rationalize it. And so they keep doing it. And they don't go like, okay, you know, I want my goal is to make, I'm gonna make a quarter million dollars in pennies. That's how I'm gonna do it. And then I'm out. People don't do that. They keep going. Right. <laughs> they keep going. And that's the irrationalism that we just is part of the makeup of the human condition. You know, I think what will happen though is in a situation like this is that it'll be sort of a battle of AIs because exactly. Goldman Sachs AI is going to try to beat out the Morgan Stanley AI, is going to try to beat out the AI of the kid in the garage. And just like in the insurance company example, insurance companies are going to figure out how to use AI to make certain rates cheaper and which customer base will handle more expensive rates if they're considered risks. So there's going to be just nonstop like layers exactly. of competing AIs on that stuff. Again, it's going to enter into a kind of occult space, if you will. Just like the AIs that hallucinate and we don't know why they hallucinate. We're entering into a space with competing AIs doing who knows what because we don't really know how it's thinking unintended, unexplainable things are going to happen. It's going to be very entertaining. I will say that. It's going to be very entertaining, except for the screaming and the, the gnashing of teeth. Well, let me ask as a, as a final question. Like, What are you optimistic about in all of this? I'm really optimistic about the kind of collaborations that are not completely dependent on the large language modeling. It's, it's going to be, to me, what I'm, what I'm Interested, and I've had some interesting kind of little story things with ChatGPT for, and and it's kind of funny when you you know a lot of you when you see a line, and you go, man, that I I I didn't think about that. That's kind of it. That's kind of cool because a lot of it, I mean, you know, Arthur C. Clarke, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Well, it's funny. I actually had a prompt for something, and I used an earlier version. And, you know, when you go to uh, OpenAI, you can work with the earlier version or the latest version. You can work with 3 or 3.5 or 4. So I came up with a prompt for 3.5. And I looked at it. I liked it. And I went and said, well, the more advanced one is going to be better, right? But it was funny because I gave it the same prompt. And I found that I actually liked the earlier version more than I liked the more advanced version, which I didn't think was going to happen. Because it kind That is really interesting. Yeah, and I and I and I was surprised. Wow, I would have thought, of course, you're quote unquote better, but there was something. It the earlier version got more to the point. It's kind of like the the more advanced version added more words, and it was more kind of uh, it, it added, but it was kind of like clunky, and and it was it's I, I was I was 
I thought that was so interesting that I liked something better from an earlier version. And then I and then also it I improved the prompt. Because I said, you know what? Don't put my description in the output. Don't include because I would read something and it would do something that was so on the nose. And I went, no, 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 don't do that. And uh it never got upset. It never, it never argued. And so the moment, right. the moments when something wonderful and unexpected happens, just like with the imaging, and, and I'm very careful about that because, you know, the promptography and prompt illustration, again, it comes back to when I give a prompt, and, and my prompts are weird. I, you know, it's like I'm going to describe something philosophical. I'm going to ask you a – I'm going to ask a philosophical – give me an, an illustration – that's based on an existential prompt. And at first it's like, oh, that's whack. That's what, wait a minute, that. And then I could turn that and go into my, and turn something, I could combine the output with what, an actual photograph of mine that I took myself and create a collage that's conceptual, but it's also based on something real in the world that I shot. So these, so being imaginative, I'm, I'm, I am, I am, I am uh, uh, optimistic about where the combination of my imagination, but it's like accessing different parts of my imagination, perhaps boosted by my interaction with this model. Yeah. And that's the. I think that is going to be interesting. Yeah, and that and that to me, it, it's it's actually really interesting for creative work, and especially if you don't leave. If you, it's like you have to be careful of. I find myself like, when I look at the result, I go, "Well, that's not would I say that, or is that, or or or, or if, is the pivot really that cool?" And it's just like working with something like my Helix, you know, my Helix uh, multi effects pedal. That you know, I can use this amp, and I can use this distortion thing, and I, but you know, because it's not physical, I can put I can put the delay before the distortion as opposed to after the distortion and get a sound that I hadn't anticipated. And that's, and that's where coloring outside the lines, thinking like turning it 45 degrees, seeing it from a different angle, even pivoting from what I originally was thinking, I, I, I saw something that I wasn't even thinking about. That's where it's, it can be very creative. And that's where it can be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think there's going to be a whole new level of creativity that comes out of this, but you've also made me very aware of of some of the problems we worried about. So thank you for already increasing my 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 nightmares and stresses. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, uh, again, you know, this is our dystopia. This is this we we have begged for this. We have we have been begging weirdly enough. And and I don't know if it's the appetite for destruction, or I don't know what that is, but there's something about this that feels like we're in a science fiction moment right now. And that, as a science fiction fan, I'm horrified, but I'm also like, oh my God, this is like, this moment of uncertainty is really quite intriguing. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, uh, we, we have been begging for a dystopia, whether it's cloning or AI or, you know, nuclear power, all of these things, we've been begging for them, and yet they're the subject of every dystopian science fiction yeah. novel out there right now. It's it's amazing. It's like we yeah, you know, you look look out. 
there's going to be, uh, I think, you know, the writer's strike, I think chat GPT-4, it's got to be a, a, a subject in the negotiations. Like, you know what? We, you know, the writers gonna be like, you know what? Y'all can't use that. <laughs> like, we, we're the writers. If we want to use it for, pro, you know, to spark our creativity, great. But you can't use that to displace us. It's a hard battle, though, because that's uh, it's just you just don't know. Like, if I buy Stephen King's prompts for uh, to make a great horror novel, but that's how they're catching students, though. That's how they're using they're using AI snippers to find out whether the term paper. You know, they, they have the, the students' earlier work to compare it against, right? So suddenly, uh, yeah. if the kid is suddenly, their sentence structure is wildly different, they say, like, you used an AI for this. Like, Come on, you, you know, your, your earlier work from last year was nothing like this. You know, so it's like, uh, you know, spy versus spy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Vernon Reed, I'm such a huge fan. I'm so glad you came on oh, the podcast. And we had a great discussion about AI Come on, anytime you want. If you have James, I really you know, enjoyed the other combo. stuff you want to talk about. You know, we got yeah, we got to do really this fun. again when we we're, we're all freaked out by Chat GPT six. We got to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Every version of Chat GPT. Well, Bird is back again. It scares us. Some oh more. my god! <laughs> it baked a cake. Well, <laughs> and it told us it tasted good, which would be scary. <laughs> I have composed. Love letters to my wife using ChatGPT. So don't tell her that. She's just listen to the podcast. Oh, 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 I think it's out the bag now, bro. <laughs> we'll see. I really enjoyed the compliment. Thank you, Vernon. Save here. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive. AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.